0: From Live Consulting, this is Cannabis Business Minds with your hosts Kristen Yoder and Simone Simoluca Radzins.
1: All right, so for today's show, we're really focusing, it's just Chris and I on today's show, and we're really focusing on operations. It's just been the theme, it seems like, of 2017. We're launching our operational assessments. We've been helping clients improving their operations. And it's just one of the main things that we've been seeing. Um, I just released an article with Cannabis Business Executive about, like, four things that are really issues for when a a company passes that startup phase and is actually operating. And it's all centered around operations.
0: Exactly. And just for the record, we're not launching operational assessments. We're launching a refined methodology that we have used from multiple companies that we want to roll out and really focus, make that our bread and butter.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and it's so funny because, I mean, so Kristen and I, we've teamed up almost six months ago now. And our whole background is that we come from operations. And yeah, it's exactly. so unique, though, because you come from cannabis operations, and I come from corporate operations.
0: And they both have the same exact issues, which is what we want to cover on today's episode. Is, I mean, I thought she was totally out of my league, being from the corporate world and formally trained CPA, et cetera. but when we were sharing war stories about the different situations we've been through and the different companies that we've worked with, we realized that poor operational strategy or lack of communication between executives, management, and employees, or uh, poor systems implementation, technology implementation not being used correctly, Mm -hmm. et cetera. We found that cannabis or not, operations is operations is operations.
1: 100%. And it's it's really through our methodology that operations are underneath four pillars. And those four pillars – Really relate to uh, people, systems, strategy,
0: and a lot of the time, especially in this case, it's inventory. Inventory is huge. Yes. It's, I mean, it is the basis of your company, it has the most movement, and for any company that sells anything, it's money. Every single piece is money, and it's so easy to lose pieces. Yeah. I mean, like the whole concept of shrinkage in inventory
1: and just like poor inventory management. But I think that's where we should probably begin this discussion along that. Right. So, I mean, from your experience, you've been, you ran a dispensary, you've overseen supply chain management, a huge manufacturing edible company. You know, I've dealt with inventory through working in this industry and through, you know, auditing a ton of companies in the retail sector and manufacturing sector, but, like, what do you think the main issue is with them managing their inventory?
0: The the first thing, I think, when it comes to managing inventory and having worked in California this entire time is mm-hmm. there's no regulation. Mm. And by that, there's no requirement for a company to invest in an ERP or to invest in any sort of technology to help it out, or they use QuickBooks, mm-hmm. but they're not using it for inventory purposes, or they hire people that have never had an inventory job, mm-hmm. have never had to do a physical count, or recognize the value of a blind count, or having someone checking in on their inventory levels. and. Inventory isn't just about what you have in stock, it's your purchasing, Mm -hmm. it's your selling, Mm -hmm. it's everything involved in the supply chain, basically, it's the movement of your products. And I think some people, God, I hope that we're not, like, glazing people's eyes over
1: when we're talking about inventory but i think there's when we when i think about the cannabis industry and i think i always think about it as a supply chain it starts with cultivation where it's this little seedling and then it grows into something more and then it's blooming and then you dry and you trim it right and then that's good. and so that in itself is inventory for a cultivator and i think just from an accounting standpoint and just from a theoretical standpoint is like at what point does that plant have value and when is that Truly inventory. And for those regulated states, that's the moment that it's a seedling, right? Seed to sale. Seed to sale. And that's where the whole concept of seed to sale tracking came involved. But so I think that cultivators have different inventory management problems than manufacturers, right?
0: Absolutely. And
1: completely different than retailers. And I don't know from your experience, like, I don't really think the mismanagement of inventory is at cultivation. I think it really is in manufacturing and also in retail. Like, from what you've experienced, how do you think they're different?
0: Well, consider the fact that you start with a plant. And when you harvest the plant, Mm -hmm. it goes from one weight to another weight. And then you've got your dry plant. Then you have to trim it. Mm -hmm you're cutting off money. Every single time you trim your plant, that trim can then be used to make extracts or whatever. So then it comes down to proper storage and handling. I mean, what humidity levels are you keeping your trim or you're keeping your flower after you've harvested and dried it? Mm -hmm. Are you curing it correctly? I mean, some people use a lot of carbohydrates in the flushing part of the life cycle of the flower right before they harvest Mm. to increase the weight of the plant. But I don't think that people outside of cultivation especially consider that weight is money. Yeah. And weight goes away. Oh, weight is
1: 100% money in this industry.
0: If you don't dry it correctly, then Mm -hmm. you lose money. And if inventory seems boring to you, then just imagine a bunch of little dollars. Yeah. Tons of dollars. Dollars just disappearing or dollars coming back. It's like... To me, money, that matters. That's Mm -hmm. not boring. Losing money sucks. How much time and money did you waste last year putting out operational fires? Getting your operations in check will save your company thousands of dollars. Contact us today at liv-consulting.com to schedule your free consultation. And this is Beyond a penny, this yeah. is to the fifth decimal point. And where you realize the importance of having the correct unit of measure is if you're doing um, a monthly physical count. And especially for ingredients. It is a nightmare to do counts in kitchens Things get wasted. I mean, you have some batter that's left on the pan that doesn't get counted. If you Mm -hmm. didn't have the right unit of measure, Mm -hmm. every month you're going to be trying to figure out, like, where is this stuff going? And it might not be lost, and it might be lost, but how do you even know if you've got the incorrect unit of measure? Yeah, and so
1: I'm just imagining a listener, maybe my mom's even listening right now. She's like, I don't get what they're talking about. So I think the key takeaway um, before we actually get into our break is going to be really understanding, okay, how can you take away what we just were explaining, you know, measure, whatever it's understanding your supply chain, right? It's making sure from an accounting perspective, you've got, you know, purchase orders that those are entered incorrectly into your accounting system that you're able to monitor and track all of that. And then, as Kristen mentioned, it's about, you know, counting your inventory. It's about what a blind inventory count is versus an actual count. It's really making sure that somebody independent is counting exactly what's there in terms of work in progress, in terms of raw material, in terms of finished product and packaging. This is detailed. We should probably write a blog post a little bit more about it.
0: Absolutely.
1: But, I mean, so from a manufacturing point, that's probably the biggest
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, you can also work with your ingredient suppliers. I mean, unlike the cannabis industry, even in regulated states, they have to have a certificate of analysis before they send you any ingredients because you need to be able to trace all of your ingredients back. That if you had someone become ill or whatever, These companies are used to creating traceability. Yeah. So maybe you don't understand. Ask your suppliers. You're their customer, Mm -hmm. not vice versa. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, before we move on from the inventory as
1: one of the pillars of operational excellence, what's like one key takeaway or piece of advice from your experience that you would tell somebody to consider? That's like, hey, I want to improve my operations. How can I better my inventory?
0: The importance of a monthly count, a physical count, yep. and making it a blind count, meaning you don't have any numbers to work off of. You go, you do your count, and then you go to your accounting system or whatever where the inventory is, and you compare the two. And when you have discrepancies between those two, you have to go back to each one of those ingredients and audit it. Yep. But if you're not doing a physical count, how do you know? You don't know. And if you don't, if you you don't, don't do a physical count weekly or monthly, and you do it quarterly, you are way far out when it comes to auditing and trying to figure mm-hmm. out where are these shrinkages coming from. Because it could be from employees, it could be from just poor, inaccurate record keeping, and it doesn't even have to be shrinkage. Sometimes you might have something—you'll have more of something than you do in your system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Explain that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. Um, so that was like one of the pillars. So that pillar really is I mean, we focus on inventory, but it's really process, right? So we look at, you know, your operational excellence around every process, but we've just seen that we're really focused solely on inventory because if you can't manage your inventory in this industry, wow, it's gonna be very hard for you to be viable for well, a long wait, time. And if you're wait out of compliance. You
0: get audited.
1: Exactly, and you're out of compliance. Yeah.
0: And One other thing about inventory is inventory needs to specifically be the responsibility or, you know, of one or two or several people, but that is their responsibility and they are held accountable. Mm -hmm. Because if everybody is supposed to be keeping track of inventory, nobody's keeping track of inventory.
1: No, totally. Totally. Yeah. All right. So then the next pillar.
0: Though, also I would like to say in regards to inventory... With flour, for instance, in California, there's the mountain pound versus an actual pound. Mm. So, 448 grams for a pound of flour in California, Mm -hmm. a pound is 453.59237 grams. Down to the decimal. Yeah, well, you're going to need to know that when you become regulated. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So, what if you have your bud tenders weighing out? every time a customer comes in and they want to order something and they're weighing it out on a scale in front of those people, I guarantee you they're going to make an A3.6, 3.7 because the consumer is going to be looking at the scale. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, oh, you know, those stems or the shake or whatever. Mm-hmm. You give me that bud, etc. I mean, 0. 0.1 gram, that adds up no, throughout that totally the day. Is. And then how do you rectify it?
1: And question to our listeners, like, if you're interested, go and post into our LinkedIn group, Cannabis Business Minds, like, what do you prefer as, you know, a retail customer? Like, would you prefer, because we we foresee it going into pre-packaged. a prepackaged, packaged you know, type of environment. A lot of our clients are trying to get to that way. We see farms being branded more and all of that. But as a consumer, is that something that you would like or dislike? And, you know, from each state, how's that different?
0: Uh. And I just remembered one other example people Hmm. need to keep in mind is when you're working with an extract to do your edible manufacturing, Mm -hmm. generally when you receive it, it still needs to be decarboxylated. What's that mean to those people who are like, what's that mean? So (laughs) there's THCA, which when the cannabis is growing, in order to activate the THC into THC, when you smoke it, it's that heat and that changes the... THCA into THC which is the active state well in an edible because you're not lighting it yourself you have to activate the concentrate to put into your edibles so when you do that you Mm -hmm. lose a specific amount of weight from when you first bought it but Mm -hmm. not only that it doesn't even matter about the weight it comes down to the potency so then you have to convert the weight of your concentrate into how many milligrams of active THC are you working with it's I mean, so complicated. Yeah, there's a lot of ways for your inventory to get off and concentrate, extract, whatever. Alone, that's $10 a gram, $7 a gram, and it's sticky. So maybe you've got, like, one or two grams stuck to the bowl that it came to you on, and then how much you lost. What if you overcooked it? Mm-hmm. You know, then you're losing more, or you're destroying the THC and turning it into CBD. So you definitely need to be aware that it's so much more than weight, especially when it comes to concentrate. So if you're an edible company, I'm sure you're aware of this. And if you're not, you should contact us (laughs) for an operational assessment. Yeah, no, totally. Check out our website. With that said, www.live-consulting.com. Also, if you're an edible company that's doing it right, and you want to sponsor this show, uh, reach out to us at yeah. info at live com. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're really
1: trying to engage a little bit more our listeners in all of this. I yes. mean, because we are going about it from ways that we've been able to help our clients and try to give some tips. But really, if you're listening, and you have a suggestion, or you think you have a best practice that you want to share, we'd love to, you know, put you on the show or read a little bit about, you know, what you have to offer. So as Kristen mentioned, like, definitely shoot us an email, and then our LinkedIn group. Um, But yeah, I mean, inventory to me is just so significant as it relates to this industry. But before we go to the other three pillars, I mean, I just want to mention, it's all processes, right, so mm-hmm. I mean that's talking about cash management, fixed assets, uh, how you recognize revenue, how, yes, how you manage your inventory, your equity it's like if you think about your entire business and you nail it down by the different processes, purchasing and payables uh, it's everything you need to have something refined uh, that you are reviewing on a con like on a constant and continual basis to make sure that it's good
0: and uh, yeah. and with that said. A lot of these cannabis businesses think that they're, like, the first type of business out there. Mm -hmm. But no, it's called supply chain management. This is a very established methodology that's used in every sort of industry out there. Because, like, with inventory, there's Mm -hmm. also the purchasing. You know, there's reorder points anticipating when you're going to run out of something. These Absolutely. are all important to keep in
1: mind. And I think, you know, our methodology focuses around, like, what's the root cause of this problem, right? Like, why are people having an issue with inventory management? And that probably gets us to the next few pillars. To me, I mean, I don't know, Chris. I don't know. What, you, what do you think the root causes of poor inventory management?
0: I don't want to say people first because I don't think it's people's fault if they don't know what their job is mm-hmm. or what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's a process, it's a system issue.
1: Exactly. So it's so crazy how I think our methodology works is that they're all interrelated, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a root cause of inventory management that's directly probably related to, A, is the system working, the technology, right? So that's one of our pillars. And are the people understanding what they're supposed to be doing and are they accountable?
0: And were the people that were hired for the position that are doing their job qualified do they know what they're doing? Do they have any sort of training? Do you offer them training? Do they have any sort of support?
1: Yeah, and so that's what we—that's uh, what we do for uh, people management, which is our next pillar. But right now, we're going to take a break from one of our sponsors.
0: When was the last time you examined the health of your company? Visit our website at liv-consulting.com to learn more about how an operational assessment can increase your revenue today.
1: All right, so we're back. Um, Hope you enjoyed that from our sponsor. Um, So as we mentioned before the break, people management. Um, So one of the things that we got from our you know, very, very different backgrounds was one very similar thing, and it was the RACI chart. I couldn't believe that you knew about it.
0: Yes, RACI, which is R-A-C as in cat I, and that stands for responsible, accountable. Consulted. and Informed. Informed, yes. And I've never met a company that's used this before, but I've never met a company that couldn't benefit massively by this. Because what you do is you look at all of the tasks that need to be done, and you have all of the employees that are there. You need to think, who is responsible for handling this task? Mm -hmm. Who is held accountable for that task? It's not always the same person. Generally, the person accountable is the manager of the person that's responsible. But also, who needs to be consulted when there's an issue with the task? Mm -hmm. And who needs to be kept informed if there is an issue. Mm-hmm. It's so important because so many employees don't even know who to ask mm-hmm. when they have a question, nor do they know who who knows in the company what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole concept of corporate governance and really defining roles
1: and responsibilities for so everybody lacking. in the company is something that so many of us fail to do and I I realize though I mean as a startup as us running our own company and also consulting I understand I mean it's very hard when you are running at 150 miles per hour and you're trying to meet sales objectives and you're trying to push your product and you're trying to you know wear many hats as a business owner but notwithstanding, like maybe if it's just two people you don't need to have a race seat. but the moment that you add on people add on people that are helping you accomplish the same goal, which probably your company mission and why you even exist, that's when you really need to start really defining this because it's going to help you really with your strategy. I mean, we even talked about it today, like, okay, let's make sure that our roles and responsibilities as business partners are easily defined and that they're different because if we're doing the same thing, we're not really accomplishing our end goal.
0: Exactly. It's so important for people to know... What their job is, I've mm-hmm. I've yet to go to a company, or to have worked with a company where each person that got hired had established roles and responsibilities given to them upon being hired. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They get hired for inventory. But are I mean, answering sales it. calls. Yeah, it's and that's another thing with having a lean startup is mm-hmm. everybody ends up doing a bunch of things that they weren't hired for, that they might not know what they're doing. And the key to scaling mm-hmm. is to have a solid operational foundation because it will decrease the confidence in every single new hire when their manager doesn't know who's supposed to be doing what. Yep.
1: Well, it's really interesting. I've actually been seeing it evolve in some companies where it was the startup and it was so creative and everybody loved what they were doing. And then the company gets bigger, right? They get more clients. It becomes more corporate. And the people that were originally there, maybe they actually still understand their roles and responsibilities. And maybe it's even been niched out a little bit more, but then they're feeling like this this corporate beast. They don't like it. What, what, attracted them first that initial creativity probably to get them so big is now gone. So it's so interesting. See,
0: I haven't seen that where people might think like oh corporate whatever, but I find that any anybody and everybody enjoys a little structure because if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, Absolutely. progress stops. So When you're growing and you've got to start training people, it is so helpful. It Mm -hmm. takes so much stress off of you when you actually have a process to teach them so that you can scale and that you're not compounding these operational inefficiencies Mm -hmm. until you've got a huge company where you're completely putting out fires 24-7.
1: You're because making the money.
0: You're making a ton of money, but your bottom line could be way bigger because yeah, of that. how totally. much are you spending on inefficiencies, and how many people are you hiring, and you're not even using them to the best of their ability? Mm-hmm. That's money lost.
1: Okay, so before we move on to our next pillar, let's think about what can we recommend?
0: Uh, I recommend standard operating procedures, and... They're painful. I don't. I have yet to meet anyone who enjoys making a standard operating procedure. Yeah. But one of my favorite quotes by the esteemed Doctor. Oh, I Deming love him. Yep. Is if you can't explain what you're doing in a process, you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that is so true. It's it really is,
1: and like it doesn't need to be so daunting. Like I, I mean, from working in internal operations especially for public companies, they have a lot of crazy controls. Controls that I would never even want in our company, right? But because of Sarbanes-Oxley, all of the frauds with the Enron, WorldComs, whatever, they're mandated to do so uh, by the government. Um, and that's like, oh, I need to have a written approval for this. That, But there is so much importance to having that structure, to having those processes, to having an approval in, pr- in place, and Having, um, you know, a purchase order and all of that. So it's very true. It's like, as Kristen mentioned, you have to define your process. I think my, like, key takeaway, though, for those people that are wanting to figure out how they could, you know, strengthen that one pillar, which is people, I would say go look at, go look at, do an inventory, of your people and understand what are they doing. And under, and ask them, what, are you, what do you think your roles and responsibilities That's are? huge.
0: If you just did that. Question. Yes. Questions. They're oh, yes. so helpful. Oh,
1: questions but, are everything. Like, if you can...
0: At the same time, hmm. it is so much easier when you have an objective third party questioning all of your employees. Yeah. Because employees are not going to be forthcoming with the corporate or the executive people or the people they don't feel relate to them whatsoever? Unless it's
1: already been instilled in the culture. And so if you're starting out... And if you are, you know, thinking about starting a business, right, and you're listening to this, then utilize this and start building that tone at the top. Like, you created your company mission, your company goals, and start instilling that, instilling, like, meeting times, best practices, and checking in with your employees.
0: Transparency. Mm Mm-hmm. Transparency. And, you know, let me just remind everyone, I know I'm sure you're so enthralled you forgot who you were listening to, (laughs) But this is Cannabis Business Minds Podcast, and we would love it if you subscribed so that we could give you more value-added information every week. You can go to iTunes and subscribe. You can go to our website, liv slash. Podcast, mm-hmm. and you will find all the information that we have given you now, as well as our archive of all our past episodes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know we're giving you a lot of call to actions, uh, but hopefully, it can
1: actually help you with your business because that's Absolutely. why you're listening. Yeah. Yes. No, totally. Uh, But it was funny. I actually, the first podcast interview um, that I did was with Jenny Germano. Jenny, if you're listening, hello. Um, She specializes in compliance. Now she's like doing build outs and all this stuff. And she told me that she got a client from Norway from the podcast.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: I mean, we clearly have like an international community listening, which is fantastic. Um, And hopefully all of you listeners can probably add something to one another. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, so people management, I think, really, it's defining also the culture of your company, right? Before we move on, like, so we talked about...
0: beside besides culture, yes, what I think is so paramount, and it was something we had to work on, and Mm -hmm. this is what we do, is what's the mission of your company? You know, if the people who start the company don't have a mission... How could anyone you hire know what the mission is? Mm -hmm. And to know what the mission of your company is in general gives you a sense of direction. And it gives everybody the ability to know what they're doing has an effect or that they're all part of something. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a clear, defined mission, then... Each person's only going to have, like, their lowly position that they're doing, but mm-hmm. they won't be able to see their piece in the greater picture. And if there's one thing we've seen with operational assessments, mm-hmm. every single person in the company matters. Oh, God, yeah. Everybody plays a part. And it's people. I mean, The yes. more they know their part, the better the company will be because everyone can see where their efforts are going and when their efforts are lacking. Mm-hmm then it's obvious.
1: Oh, 100%. I think about it. Like, let's just give an example of like maybe a retail based company or even our company, assuming we have like 20 more people, right? We make sure that everybody knows what we're about. We have an onboarding program. We have our own code of conduct. We have our mission, right? And, we want everyone to know what we're doing. So if we have an employee that is at a mixer or at a regulatory meeting and they're like, oh, who do you work with? Or who do you work for? Oh, I'm part of live consulting. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm an accountant. No, you're beyond an accountant. You work for a company that helps other companies increase their bottom line. So it's very important as you build and grow your business that you get everybody on board in your company on that mission.
0: We all want to feel important.
1: We all want to feel important. And it's so crazy because the cost of a disgruntled employee...
0: Ooh. It's in the ins- cannabis industry.
1: Especially in this industry. It's insane. I mean, I think we talked about it in our first podcast. But the raids that have happened... Um, the raids that have happened... In California, specifically. Yeah. A lot of them have been related to disgruntled 98% employees.
0: 98% disgruntled employee. You know, I mean, A... This is why it's important to hire good people in the first place because, Mm
1: -hmm. you know. Get the best
0: people on board first. It's so federally illegal to do this, but even in a gray state like California, all they have to do is go tell the police some lie about your company and your location is blown, whatever. Even if you are sticking with the regulations of wherever you're at, Mm -hmm. they can make up something else, and it's up to the police. I mean— you're guilty until proven innocent, let's be honest. When it comes to code violations, the police don't come in and make mm. sure you're operating correctly before they raid you.
1: I mean, but then this is, like, I think the biggest difference between you and I. I think a disgruntled, I think about it just from corporate world, right? Like, I think about a disgruntled employee, what can they do? They, A, can be very inefficient. You're paying them for eight hours. They're doing one hour of work, right? There's You didn't implement performance uh, reviews. You don't have a way to truly get fire them if you're not per- annually uh, assessing their performance but more importantly guys we're still talking about that first thing inventory shrinkage disgrunt theft fraud like this is what i've seen in my tenure is that most of the frauds are occurring a because you don't have really tight enough processes so a- around like the financial reporting area uh, inventory management purchasing payables all of that So that disgruntled employee. Wow, you pissed off the warehouse manager because you didn't. Who knows? I mean, why are people getting pissed off? They're getting upset because of well, they feel taken for granted, not feeling recognized. Exactly. You're right.
0: They don't even know. I mean, also a lot of times the employees and the owners don't speak. You know, and really, it's the employees are your front line of your your company. They mean everything, and if they don't feel heard. And they get disgruntled. Another thing is, you know, morale. Oh God. Morale is contagious and you have one poisonous person your whole company is at risk because when people get depressed and then they're just, people get into the habit of making complaints and never thinking of solutions. Yep. It's so easy to complain that if it feels like it doesn't matter, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what we do, everything we do, like no one even notices. And if you're not doing your inventory counts on a regular basis, you're not going to know you're getting robbed. Yeah, exactly. Until, until it's you way fire too the people,
1: and then you're like, "Wait, I have more inventory," or you're like, "Oh my god, like when did all of this go missing?" But I think this—it's a little bit of a tangent. But what makes me sad is like I couldn't imagine not liking my job, right? And like that's so sad. Like I enjoy—we work a lot. I enjoy every hour of working, right? And maybe it's because we're, we're we're doing what we we're love. doing what we love, and we want to make sure that all of our employees feel that way exactly. and that they have that incentive to be able to achieve if it's a monetary goal through commissions through a variable uh, scheme uh, to help us build our business to have them build it as well but we I mean the whole point is whatever industry you're in your employees are the bottom are are really contributing to your bottom line yeah and I always talk about this book. I don't know if you've read it yet. The Advantage.
0: Mm
1: -mm. I mean, he goes in um, to really analyze, like, what's the difference between, like, really healthy organizations. And you can be a very smart organization. Imagine, like, you know, understanding, like, best CPA firm, best analytical firm, best supply chain management. But if the people aren't healthy... That's where the issue is. The culture. And the culture. And there's politics in it. And it's not healthy and meanings. Nobody listens to the leader. Like, everyone disregards that information. To me, that's the issue.
0: And I've also found just a simple question when you hire someone is, what do you want to do in five years? How can we help you achieve what you're looking to do within our organization? Mm Mm-hmm. If people feel like you're invested in them, they will invest in you.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, also, at that same token, realizing what labor and, you know, what roles maybe are just for three years, right? And developing the strategy behind that. Yeah. I think that's it. I mean... I'd love to hear if there's, like, button tenders listening. Like, what do you think your development is? Is it to be the dispensary manager and then what, right? So it's really developing that clear line.
0: Absolutely. All right.
1: So we talked about process, which was inventory management. We talked about people. Um, What should we do? Systems or strategy?
0: Strategy. I think strategy because... Mm With startups, they have an idea, they have very little people, they get going, they have this momentum, your strategy has to change. It doesn't stay the same. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Strategy is fluid. Mm -hmm. You You need to have your basic tenets, your goals, your mission, but you have to adjust your strategy for... The market, whatever is going on there, if something's going on internally, if your competitors are doing something different, your strategy has to mm-hmm. be clear, alive, being checked alive. In, you know, your strategy is living. Is it strategic? No, totally. I mean, is, is there a strategy behind
1: your decision? And that sounds so, I'm so cold right now. <laughs> I don't know why I'm freezing. It's we're in California, it's like what, sixty five degrees. Yeah,
0: I'm totally not. I'm like cold, I'm like in so. my leather
1: coat, like huddled chilling. If I, you hear
0: the squeaking It's me. It's the dead cow on her.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, mm. I'm I'm uh oh, I'm freezing.
0: No. No, 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 no.
1: That's my leather coat. Sorry. Um but I think when we talk about strategy, it's more then just like, oh, what's your strategy? No, what's your strategy with sales? What's your strategy with business processes? What's your strategy with people? It's a lot of things, but I guess when we're talking about revenue, that should be it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is your strategy for, you know, go to market? But what is your strategy to get that new product line into how many of, you know, your target retail shops by what time, right? So strategy could sound high level. So, like, to me, this is... A bad strategy. Uh, I guess it's like almost like a vision to a mission as well. But, like, so Kristen, you're like, Oh, what's your strategy? My strategy is to be the number one retailer in Southern California. A, that's kind of like a mission statement. Yeah, it's not a strategy. No,
0: but it's not a strategy.
1: No. How could my strategy be better?
0: First of all, who's the demographic that you're going after? Have you done a competitive analysis? Mm-hmm. You know, have you thought about distribution? Have you thought about taxes that you have to deal with? Mm-hmm. Have you thought about, you know, what your company's customer service is going to be like? How do you deal with things, you know? What is your online strategy? What is your marketing strategy? Mm-hmm. You it's can't. it's so complicated. Yeah, and, and it's then, essential.
1: It's essential. And then you have to dissect all of those down even further. It's like, okay, so then what's your marketing strategy? Okay, my marketing strategy is to utilize seven different outlets to communicate to my avatar, which would be like your target market, but each of those outlets will be different and each of those probably will require a different strategy. Yes. I mean, if you could see what I'm trying to draw out, it's like what is that called when you do lines and then you just do multiple lines. It's like a, a crazy mind map? Maybe it's a mind map. I don't know. But it goes very deep. And I guess the whole thing when you're developing your strategy, like a key takeaway I guess is what do you want to accomplish? Right? So like what are your goals? How are you going to get there, Implementation. right? Implementation. And how are you going to implement it? Who do you need to help you implement it? How long is it going to take? What are the risks associated with it? I mean, it goes down and down and down. So really, I mean, when I'm talking about it, I'm like, maybe.
0: It's the skeleton of your business yeah. straight up. Like, you, anyone can have an idea. Anyone can have a strategy. It's the execution mm-hmm. of the strategy, You know, and it's, I mean, execution is everything, Mm -hmm. but if you're executing without a strategy, Mm -hmm. you're just gonna waste a ton of money, time, employees. Mm -hmm. You're gonna drive people crazy. Employees really notice when you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Because they start like running around in circles and it doesn't feel good.
1: Well, not only that, but it'll suck up your cash, right? I mean, so then that's to me at the very beginning of this conversation about like 80% of startups failing which apparently, according to Expert Dojo, is 97%, dude.
0: In the cannabis industry. No, no, that article was just, he said all startups. This guy,
1: uh, we'll put it in the show notes, um, runs an accelerator called Expert Dojo outside of, in in Santa Monica, like on Third Street Promenade, and he was quoted in an article, a few articles, stating that, um, we should get him on the show, stating that um, 97% of startups fail.
0: And I guess we wouldn't know about those ninety seven percent because they fail, so and so that's
1: crazy, and that's what I was writing in the article is like let's make let's change this like that 's why we're having this conversation is to get you to think beyond this like you know three month period or the before your product launch. so as you mentioned, strategy is multifaceted. You just heard us go down the rabbit hole of questions you needed to be addressing in your strategy. But the other parallel, I don't know what graph this would be, is what's your three-month strategy? What's your six-month strategy? What's your year? What's your five-year? What's your 25-year strategy? Are you in this to just exit in 10 years? Are you in this to build a sustaining business? Like These are things that a lot of people aren't really thinking about, I don't think.
0: No, especially in the cannabis industry because people are like, I'm going to quit my job in the formal business world and I'm going to do something I love or something that has saved my mom from cancer mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. is something where you're approaching it emotionally or maybe you're not taking it as formally as you should but a business is a business is a business whether mm-hmm. it be cannabis or multinational corporations yep. that if you want to succeed you must have a plan, mm-hmm. a strategy, and to execute the, str- stick to your strategy as well, if you created one, until you need to change it. Exactly.
1: I was going to say, until you've realized, A, it's not working, right? You need to reevaluate, especially up in this, like, these first years of operation. Wow, I'm sure you probably could be making more money than you are right now. by ch- By changing maybe how many products that you have, by by changing, you know, how you're delivering your products, by changing maybe looking at different revenue streams that you might not even have thought about. Really interesting thing before we take a break uh, to hear one of our sponsors. Um, The toilet was invented a long time ago, right? Toilet paper was invented hundreds Uh, of years after. But the point to this is that, you know, you might have a great idea, but you might even have a better idea if you analyze it a little bit more. Like, you, you always say
0: you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, it's totally true. So innovation is key at this moment. And it can be really difficult to innovate when you're in the full swing of things and you're just trying to move forward. <laughs> yes. Right? So,
1: well, before we take our break, what do you say
0: to that? Stop. Stop. For, take a day and reevaluate your strategy, look into it. I mean, another thing is key performance indicators are so yep. helpful when it comes to checking your strategy. I mean, if you don't have a way to track your, the effect of your strategy or the results of your strategy, then how do you know where the weakness in your strategy is? Yep,
1: and we'll talk about the key performance indicators right when we get back from our break. Okay, so key performance indicators. KPIs.
0: I love them. And I say them all the time. It's not a common phrase. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's not. It's not common in the cannabis industry. It's not a type of thing you eat or inhale. It's... But I don't... Okay, but I don't think... It, I mean,
1: in successful organizations, yes, it is common. And so for those people who are just returning to cannabis business minds, this is what a KPI is. It's a key performance indicator. That means you can assess something. Normally, it's like a financial metric, but it also can be something that's non-quantitative. So something qualitative as well that you can use in your business to see kind of how healthy you are, right? And so, I don't know, maybe we could go down with some of our favorite KPIs are, or maybe we break it down by sector of what they should be looking at. Um... Well, first, I guess when we talk about inventory, your inventory turn. How how often are you shrinkage. you know turning your inventory? What's your shrinkage percentage? Right. So, how much inventory are you unaccounting? You know, that's unaccounted for. There's variances in your accounting records versus your actual um, counts. So, those are two that relate to inventory. So, that was inventory turn, and then your shrinkage percentage.
0: Um, Ooh, one of my favorite yeah. KPIs. I find to be really informative is what is your employee turnover rate? And I say this because, A, if you don't have an employee turnover rate, you're probably carrying dead weight. And Mm -hmm. I hate to say it, but if no one ever gets let go, then what's the incentive to do your best, to work your hardest? Because there will always be somebody, especially if you've been operating for a year or two, Mm -hmm. that's not living up to their fullest potential, especially if there's no performance indicator to see if they're doing what they should be doing,
1: exactly right. So that was like inception of KPIs. Like, a you should have a KPI to monitor how healthy your attrition rate is, so for your employee turnover, right? And then your employees need KPIs themselves, as we were talking about in that people management strategy. Is like so you can assess how well they're doing.
0: Well, and. So you are either letting, not having people leave. Because they're doing great. Yeah, or you have a high turnover rate because you're not paying people enough money to want to stay where they're at. You're not keeping people motivated. Or you're not managing well. No, not at all. So if you've got people leaving all the time, every single time you have someone that's been there for a bit of time... They're taking processes with them. They're taking knowledge that mm-hmm. is an important to your company with them, especially if they didn't start where there was a sales, you know, an SOP in the first place. Mm-hmm. If there is no standard operating procedure and it's on the employees mm-hmm. to keep things running and then that employee leaves, oh, yeah. where's the information? Like, they just took it, yeah. you know? And the more turnover you have, the less and less quality you're going to have in your systems, yeah. whatever systems there are.
1: No, but that's totally true. And I hope that this is, you know, as listeners, what you can kind of digest from this conversation is that all these pillars are directly related, right? I mean, if you don't have processes and you don't treat employees well, there's issues of people management, if a person leaves, the process is gone. And I think that a lot of companies actually... You know, I think the difference between, like, a mom-and-pop shop, for example, you and I, we run this business, we're instilling processes that, you know, later on, someone else can run our business, Mm -hmm. right? And so, that's kind of what I think business owners should be also thinking about, is, like, what happens if I leave? Like, what's the succession plan, right? And succession planning is a completely different episode. Yeah, at
0: one of my previous jobs, a common saying was, what if you got hit by a bus and died? Then what are we going to do? And I was extremely valuable. I mean, I held, like, the keys to a ton of things. And that's a really good point. Because yep. when you lose those people, for whatever reason, what if they found another job or something? Mm-hmm you've lost a ton. You've lost more than an employee. You've lost a ton of money. You've lost efficiency, which equals money, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got, how are you going
1: to train the new people? Exactly. And so I think that's important, uh, takeaway before we go to like just managing systems and not having them manage you, um, is really focusing on how you can look at operations and see the value that you're losing or you're gaining by increasing operational efficiencies. Like, you know, seeing that disgruntled employees or poor people management could actually cost you much more than an employee salary, but perhaps, you know, thousands of dollars, tens to thousands of dollars, um, that's where, you know, as a business owner, you really should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. All right, so the last pillar, technology, Mm. systems.
0: Yes, technology, the bane of some people's existences Mm -hmm. and the backbone of most companies' existences. Yeah, I mean, we saw it, you know,
1: where systems and technologies failed the cannabis industry. MJ Freeway. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ouch, ouch a lot. I mean, people shut down, like, you know... There was a time before MJ Freeway or a POS system was even used. Mm-hmm. People were able to go on, you know. But when you've got regulations and you're getting audited, mm-hmm. like by the state to the tiniest degree, yeah. you know, you have a system go out and you don't have a backup plan. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean,
1: that's the whole point. And like MJ Freeway has, like, you know, re, you know, re. Not refixed, but they've like fixed this, they've mitigated the issues, they switched to a new server, they got hacked, right? And I used to work in IT. It's essential that you have a backup system. So if you're working on an automated technology, whether it's like point of sale system, inventory management, um, your accounting system, whatever, what's your strategy, what's the process, what's the plan if you get attacked? You know what I mean? If you, you know, if you get hacked, what is that plan, right? So technology, uh, if we rely on it so heavily, like today I was, you know, streaming a live session and the internet didn't work and we didn't have a backup plan. Um, So it's really important to, you know, understand the technology systems that you're utilizing, utilizing them, A, to its efficiency, B, if you have you know an issue what's your manual process right that's to me so significant
0: yeah you should have a process that ties in with your technology mhm because coupled yeah yeah power outages i mean i don't know dispensaries lose a ton of money in one day of not operating mhm i mean it's just it's unacceptable to not have a backup plan. Yep. And then, and
1: before we wrap up our podcast, because we're actually almost out of time, um, it's really also important to think about the benefits of technology, right? Like maybe that Excel spreadsheet is you've passed that stage and you really need to focus on a different system. And so we'll probably dedicate a whole podcast to, you know, what systems that we like, uh, for, you know, business decisions, our customer relationships, um, marketing, all of that, but really understanding how technology can save you money in your business, how it could automate processes for you so you can, you know, reduce your labor expenses, reduce other expenses while also relying on it. So, I mean, with the negative that we kind of introduced this to, of always having a backup plan, yes, you always should, but realizing that, you know, your success as an operation really will be driven upon technology as well.
0: Well, and... Correct implementation of your technology because just as helpful as it can be, if you haven't set your technology up correctly, yep, yeah. then you're going to spend so much time troubleshooting it Ex- that exactly it, it becomes a pain point for everybody, mm-hmm. and then everyone hates doesn't it, use it, and then nobody trusts it, and then how are you tracking anything? Exactly, yes,
1: exactly. And then the last thing about technology is just to understand. Like I'm just coming at it from like a business fraud perspective who has access to the technology, Mm -hmm. who has access to approve, who has administrative access. Like that's so important to get a firm grasp on of like segregating those duties, even if you're physically segregating it for cash and inventory, but you're also looking at the IT controls that are related to.
0: Yeah. You need to be knowing who had access to what, who's been touching what, Mm -hmm. how much information can they see from your company? Exactly. I mean, it's all so important.
1: Absolutely. So, I mean, to recap this, we think as operational experts in our own form that there's four main things that you need to worry about to instill operational excellence into your organization.
0: Yes. So that's, your inventory.
1: Well, it's your process, and we your, focus on yes. inventory Yes. so much because that to us right now is the biggest process if you are dealing in cannabis that you need to focus on. So inventory, yes, and process is the umbrella, right? So the process and inventory.
0: Yes. People. People management is key. It's so important. You know, you as a person started your company, as long as you're happy, mm-hmm. your company should be happier, keep your people happy, everything will be happy.
1: Absolutely. And this is, like, not in any particular order because we find that they're all interrelated. Absolutely. Next one, strategy. If you don't have
0: strategy, what are you doing anything for? And if you're not adjusting your strategy... For market changes. Yeah, you you need to. Yep, yeah. you, you definitely
1: need to. Yes. And the last one... Technology.
0: Technology. Yep. Absolutely. One hand,
1: absolutely. One of the biggest things uh, it can make or break you and managing technology and not letting it manage you is the last operational pillar that we think.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah.
1: All right. What a, that was
0: a great conversation. That was such a good one. Yeah.
1: yeah. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Cannabis Business Minds. Like, please we want this to be an open dialogue if you have any questions if you have any comments if you have any tips on operational excellence as we've discussed it please shoot us uh, a note in our linkedin group cannabis business minds look us up on www i think that was too many w's
0: liv-consulting.com uh and you know subscribe to the podcast yes and I know you hear it all the time from any podcast, but please feel free to leave us a review and help bring us more listeners, because the more listeners we have, the more input we have, the more relevant our podcast will be for everybody. Thank you. Cannabis Business Minds is recorded by Kristen Yoder and Simone simuluka produced and edited by Gustavo bulgatch at East Venice Recording Studios. Podcast music is by Ketza. You can find more episodes of the show on our website, lib-consulting.com and you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.